Happy Easter, Crossroads. That singing almost convinced me you believe it. (laughs) Just kidding. That was awesome, guys. And I want to start this morning by asking you a really strange question. What if there was no Easter? I want you to think about this a second. That would mean one less family gathering that you go to, right? One less good meal that you get. Somebody else makes it might mean yet one less time you have to stand there still and wait for the picture and no one more time and one more time. It's going to mean a little bit less stale candy in your pantry, you know, six months from now. You're like, I can live with all that. It might mean you don't get spring break. You're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute now, what? <laughs> what I really want to know is if there was no Easter... Would that change anything about how you live your daily life? Would it change that? What if this never happened? And I'm going to go to Mark 16 and just read straight out of God's word. It says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they could go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, They're on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, this is the tomb of Jesus, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away, as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, which is an angel, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be afraid, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. I want to be super clear about this. What Easter is all about is a historical event that happened uh, where Jesus Christ was crucified on a Roman cross for the sins of humanity, for your sins and for my sins, and was laid in the tomb, and there he laid for several days. But it is also about a supernatural event where Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That is what Easter is all about. Praise God. And I want to be super clear about that because I grew up in church and I, and I didn't get this from And a couple of weeks ago, I met a man, a super nice guy. Gabriel and I had some car trouble and we pulled over at a QT and, you, you know, your whole life can change at a QT. <laughs> super nice guy. He comes and he helps us and he takes all this time to help us get us back on the road. And, and as we're underneath the hood of my car, I said, hey, do you know what Easter is all about? It's about to come up. Do you know what Easter is about? He said, well, tell me your version of it. And that was his way of saying, I have no idea what Easter is about. <laughs> this man was older than me. I know that's old. He was older than I'm just down the road from here, guys. A nice, a nice guy. Yes. But he didn't know what Easter was all about and how important the fact that Jesus rose from the dead is. And as I told him about the love of God, that God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, so he could have a relationship with God, be forgiven of his sins, and get to go to heaven one day. With tears in his eyes, he listens to me tell him about Jesus. Because he didn't know. He didn't know what Easter was all about. 
So Easter is more than a church service or time with a family or, or about practicing some religion. The resurrection is the single most important moment in human history and causes for each one of us the single most important decision we could ever make. And if it's true, listen, if the resurrection is true, that means we are not alone in this world. I'm not talking about aliens. We are not alone. There is a God who is real, and there's a God who has intervened in the world by sending his son Jesus. God became flesh and dwelt among us, and he has intervened, and he can be known. It means that God cares about the brokenness in this world and the brokenness in your life and the lives of the people around you, and he cared so much that he made drastic steps to deal with the brokenness in our lives by sending his son Jesus, who would die on the cross for the payment of our sins. God dealt with sin, and by him rising from the dead, he dealt with death. See, if the resurrection is true, then the predictions Jesus made and the other people in these scriptures made long before Jesus rose from the dead, those predictions happened just the way they said it would. And so that means this book is true and what God has said is real. And if the resurrection is true, that means God can be known. That he's revealed himself not even in a book, just beyond that. He revealed himself in the flesh. And this God who made you and loves you can be known by you in a real and personal way. Not just for a few, but for all who believe. And so let me just be clear. Because and if it's true that Jesus rose from the dead, since that's true, he is alive and he can offer you life. You life. In fact, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father in heaven except through me. He said, I am the way and I'm the truth and the life. And you say, that's a great Eastern message. That's, that's such a powerful message. But, but maybe that's just for the devoted people and the church people and the re religious people and the really good people. I'm here to tell you today not only what Easter is about, but who Easter is for. There's three people in this passage I just read. I want you to see. There's three people, Easter's four. First of all, I want you to notice the women in this passage. They, they get up early on that Sunday morning, and they're going to the empty tomb. Salome and Mary and her other friend Mary. There's a joke there. I won't say it. Daryl, my other brother, Daryl. There you go. And the angel says, he's not here. I know you're looking for Jesus. See, they were, they were trying to figure this thing out. They, they, they were still confused by what had happened, but they were just going to do the next right thing, and they were seeking the truth. And so they, they, the seekers are not somebody that knows everything. Seekers are people who are determined to find the truth. And so these women are going to the tomb. They're saying, what's next? How do I know what is right and what is true? I want to tell you this morning that the resurrection of Jesus Christ are for people who are seeking truth. That's who the resurrection is for. The ladies thought they were coming to perfume a body. They hadn't realized Jesus had already rose from the dead. And just like they followed him in his life and were seeking truth from Jesus, when they came upon that tomb, they had no idea what had already happened. They didn't realize what was about to come. It reminds me of when I started dating my wife, Gabriel. Uh, it's been 20, ooh, it'll be 30 years this year. 
This summer is going to be 30 years, our first date, man. And so this is how it went down. Uh, I'm at, uh, you know, I, I'm, I was at a point in my life, I was just super mature, you know, 21 years old. And I decided I wasn't going to date women for, you know, diet date for a while. And so uh, the reality was I was at Georgia Tech and there was no women to date. And so uh, a lot less of a choice than just, you know, made for me. But um, So anyway, out of the blue, I'm at my co-op job. I'm working on the campus of Georgia Tech and I get a phone call and she says, hi, I don't know if you remember me, but my name is Gabriel McCoy. And this is, a, this is a landline. And I was like, yeah, I think I remember you. And there's a guy in my cubicle. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this girl's hot. <laughs> I'm 21. Give me a break. Okay. <laughs> this girl's hot. Yeah, I think I remember you. Yeah, what's up? She's like, well, I want to know if you want to go to the Braves game coming up. I'm like, yeah, let me check back. Asking me out. Wow. <laughs> now, I got to tell you, when she made that phone call, I for Mrs. Zwemke. I wasn't looking for the next. I wasn't looking for the one. I was just kind of looking for a date. And uh, then she stepped out of that car on our first date. She had red, white, and blue pants on. I have never felt so patriotic in my entire <laughs> life. And I thought, right then and there, I started seeking Mrs. Zwemke. Everything in a moment changed. Guys, for the, for the women that went to the tomb who were seeking truth, in that moment, everything changed. And listen, some of you are seeking truth, and your seeking has led you to try to find the truth in religion and find it in philosophy and find it in the supernatural or find it in morality or find it in all these other avenues, and yet you're still seeking because you still haven't found what you're looking for. And you know there's something more to life. That life's got to be more than just taking my turn on this piece of rock, going around the sun, and then going back to the dirt one day. There's got to be something more. Seeker, if you're a seeker this morning, I'm going to tell you what the angel told those women. You're looking for Jesus. That's what you're seeking. That's what your heart is longing for. You're looking for Jesus. Jesus said, I am the truth. And if you're looking for truth, then you'll find all truth in me. And just, just the reality is life doesn't make sense apart from Jesus Christ. You know, the resurrected Christ answers life's three biggest questions. You say, who am I? Everyone on the planet wants to know. God says you are a beautiful, unique creation made in the image of God with intrinsic value and worth. But when the resurrected Christ stepped into your life, you also get to be called a child of the living God, and he becomes your father. That's who you are. That's your identity. The second question we all ask is, why in the world am I here? And when the resurrected Christ steps into your life, you learn that in Christ you get to know this God who loves you and was willing to send his son for you and to sacrifice for you and to live in his love every single day of your life and into eternity and to share the love that satisfies you with those around you. That's why you're here. And they say, what's going to happen to me? My third question is, what happens to me after this, this life? And by faith in the resurrected Christ, you can say definitively that you'll have a life eternal with God Almighty.
I'm going to just speak to you. If I spoke to you seekers, I want to speak to you believers for a second. If you already, you've already crossed the line of faith, I want to ask you something. If that's true and if Jesus can satisfy all those great longings in our heart, let me ask you, why are you looking anywhere else to be satisfied in your life? Can I tell you what I told the seeker? You're looking for Jesus. Don't look anywhere else for your identity. Don't look anywhere else for your purpose. Don't look anywhere else for your destiny. And the resurrected Christ can give you all those things. So seek him. You believers, listen, I don't know business very well, but I do know this. If you're, if you're running a business, you can have a customer or you can have a client. And a customer that makes a one-time transaction with you, and you, you, they buy and sell, and then they go on their way, and you may never see them again. And some of us have approached our, our, our relationship with Christ that way. We made an exchange, and then we went on. But God, this is what he wants. He doesn't want a customer. He wants a client. He wants an ongoing relationship where there's a continued exchange of his life for your life, and his purpose becomes your purpose, and his love becomes your love, and his life is now hidden in your life. So who's Easter for? Those who are seeking Christ, the seekers. Secondly, I want you to notice the disciples. He says, hey, I want you to go tell them that that Christ is risen. I want you to tell the disciples. These are the guys who had been following Jesus for years. And in a moment, all their hopes and dreams had been shattered. And they were left destitute. They were were the the most to be pitied. They They were beat up. Their leader was gone. The cause had been defeated. Their enemies had a chokehold on them. They had all hope crushed. If anyone would have been hopeless in that day, it was the disciples. And in their misery, in their hopelessness, God delivers them a message of hope. And he says, hey, you go tell those disciples. You go tell them Christ is risen. You want to know who Easter is for and who the resurrection of Jesus is for? Is for people who are needing hope. That's who the resurrection is for. Those who need hope. The reality of the empty tomb is still music to the ears of those who are looking and longing for hope. Listen, when your dreams and my dreams get crushed, there's still a living hope. When people let you down and let me down, there's still a greater hope. When this world doesn't work out exactly the way you want it to, there still remains a hope that transcends all other hopes, and it is found in the resurrected Christ. When you and I disappoint ourselves and go, man, I screwed up again and I blew it again and here I am at the bottom again and we feel so low, there is still remains a hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when this world, it just, it just feels like a weight oppressive on us and like, when is this, this misery and this evil going to end? I can tell you one thing, there still remains a hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I read a story recently about a little girl, Jessica, 11 years old. And she had lost her mom to cancer. And since that time, she was struggling with anxiety, struggling with depression. And one way she coped with that is she wrote a columnist. And she wrote this. She said, Dear Mr. Sean, 
I wanted you to know, wanted to know what you think heaven is like. I think heaven is just like living down here with all the same stuff we have right now, like chips and Coke and cars and people and dogs. But in heaven, nobody's parents die. And there are no doctors or cancer to worry about. And whenever you want a hug from God, he just gives you one. Now, I don't know about Coke in heaven. But I like the rest of that. Jessica was desperate for some hope, wasn't she? Just like all of us are at times. There's times in our life when we feel so low and like there's no hope left and, and we're just thinking about giving up or quitting or bagging, bagging it all. It is to you in that moment when you feel hopeless, when God delivers a message of hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God says hope can still emphatically be found. So when you hope in this life for what you can make for yourself, what you can get out of this world, you're going to be disappointed. But when your hope is in something greater than this life, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and, and, the, and the life that he brings, the one who gives you that hope will never, ever disappoint you. When situations fall short, when people let you down, there is one who will never, ever let you down. You know, the empty tomb reminds us something. If it's true, and you place your faith in Christ, then this world is as bad as it ever is going to get. But if you don't, if you don't place your faith in the empty tomb, this world is as good as it ever gets. Can I just ask you a simple question? Is your hope firmly established on anything other than the hope of the resurrected Jesus Christ? Easter is for you. The third person or people in that group I want you to see is Peter. He said, listen. This angel declares the greatest news ever declared. Jesus isn't in this tomb, in this grave anymore. He is risen from the dead. He's not here. And I want you to go tell the disciples. And then he says, and go tell Peter. He calls him out by name. He say, why in the world would God pick out Peter? Why would Jesus leave that angel with a message? Hey, you be sure to tell Peter. Peter needs to know that I want to meet with him. I'll tell you why. Because just two days earlier, Peter had denied he even knew Christ. Three times. I don't even know the man. I don't even know who you're talking about. And God says, listen, you want to know who the resurrection is for? Easter is for people who've blown it, just like Peter. The resurrection had to happen for people like you and I who have blown it and we've fallen short and we don't measure up 
That is who the resurrection of Jesus Christ is all about. It's for those who have denied God or blasphemed God or turned their back on God. The the, the resurrection of Christ is for those who've betrayed friends and let people down. The resurrection of Christ is for those who are carrying guilt and shame inside and nobody else knows they're struggling with it. And the resurrection is for them. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is for those who have things in their life and there's actions and habits and attitudes. They're ashamed if anybody knew they were really a part of their life. They'd be ashamed if anybody knew. I want you to know that Easter is for that person. It's for that person. And when he said, go tell Peter, he's making it clear it's for you. It's for people just like you. Now, church tradition says that Mark, the one who wrote the gospel of Mark, was writing it under the watchful eye of Peter, the apostle Peter, and that Peter was telling him the events that he had seen in the life of Peter. And so Mark's writing these things down as the inspiration of God. And this is the only gospel that mentions Peter by name, that the angel mentions by name. It's as if Peter was saying, listen, I got to tell this little story of mine that, that God accepts all, even those who have blown it, those who have denied him, those who are ashamed. Listen, those are exactly the people that God wants to know that he is risen from the dead. Wow. So in John chapter 21, I wish I had time to read this to you. Jesus makes one of these appearances after his resurrection. He's around for 40 days. And one of those appearances he makes just for Peter. And he has a dialogue with Peter, and it, and it starts with a simple question. He says, hey, Peter, do you love me? And, he, and he, in this exchange, there's two different words used for love. And so Peter, Jesus is asking a really pointed question. He says, hey, Peter, do you love me unconditionally and perfectly? And Peter uses a different word. It says, I love you back. He's he's like he's saying, Jesus, you know that I failed you and you know that I just let you down and I don't love you like you love me, but I love you like a brother. Jesus, you know I love you like that. And Jesus' answer is, feed my sheep. In essence, what Jesus is saying is, I know you don't love me perfectly. I know you can't love me like I love you. And I know that you've blown it. But listen, I'll take you right where you are with as much love as you can give back. I will love you first and I will love you completely if you'll just simply turn back to me. And he's saying, when he says, feed my sheep, he said, listen, you think you're disqualified. You think because you've blown it, you have no more use with me. But I'm here to tell you that you still have purpose. There's still the power of God in your life. There's still things I have for you to do. And just because you failed me once or twice or three times or many more, there is still purpose I have for you. Now go feed my sheep. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, those who have blown it with God can have a fresh start in life. Isn't that good news, church? People who have blown it like me can have a fresh start in life. People that have blown it like you, people that have blown it like Peter can have a fresh start. They can have a new hope. There can be a turning point that regardless of what you've done, whatever you think is so bad, the forgiveness of God is greater than anything you've ever thought or done or imagined. He's willing to forgive it because his his death on the cross was full payment for all of the sins of humanity. 
In fact, I want to show you a video clip. It's about five minutes long, and it's from a man just down the road. You may recognize something in the video. This is living proof. This is just an example of Christ and the life that he gives to those who turn to him by faith. Let me play the video. It was like I did die over there, and I was just living in this shell, empty, with no emotions, no feelings, and it was just a, so much pain that I couldn't bear it. While serving in the Iraq War, Jeff West was physically and emotionally broken. He blamed God for the atrocities he witnessed during the war. After seeing families and children, the moms, the dads, and just people being killed and losing my you know, fellow Marines over there, I just couldn't believe that you know, he, was, he was allowing this type of stuff to go on. I thought I was here doing good work, like you know, I'm protecting, I'm fighting for my country so that people can live, but, but yet God is allowing all this to happen. When he was a boy, Jeff went to church with his parents and was taught that God was loving and good. But seeing the horrors of war up close threw him into a deep depression. He hated himself and God. I started to blame God for everything that was going wrong in my life. I had de developed a hatred that, you know, like, how can you allow this stuff to go on? And I'm, I did something for my country. I thought I was doing something good, and here I am, depressed. He survived an IED attack on his Humvee that resulted in a serious back injury and led to an addiction to pain medication. I had back problems. I had traumatic brain injury, and nothing regular over-the-counter medicine wouldn't help. And so I would use other methods of getting, you know, narcotics and you know, uh, pain prescription pills and Xanax, stuff for anxiety. After he returned to the States, Jeff married and had a son. But the chaos in his mind brought destruction to every area of his life. I, I had become unfaithful uh, to my wife. And again, that just further strengthened that capacity to, to hate myself even more but mentally just telling myself like you know you're better off dead like what are you doing you're not being an active father you know you're doing all these terrible terrible things something was missing inside of me then when he learned his mother died by drug overdose Jeff decided he would take his own life I took 15 Xanaxes and about 38 oxys. The next thing I remember was I was in my car and there was a police officer like looking at me and he was shining a light in my eye. And then the next thing I remember is I woke up in jail. While there, his wife filed a restraining order against him and later divorced him. Jeff was desperate for hope. Then a fellow inmate shared a Bible verse. Somebody came up, yeah. And then they sat down and they shared, you know, Romans 12, 2. You know, do not be conformed by the world, but by the renewal of your mind. And then and only then will you be able to find peace. Jeff knew he had no one else to turn to but God. I was completely and utterly destroyed. That was my uh, bottomless bottom. You know, that was the lowest of my low. So I prayed. I, I sat there and I got down and... I prayed to God and I said, if you will deliver me, you know, I will change my ways. I will 
go into rehab. I will do whatever it takes for me to get better and, you know, and, and live a Christ-centered life. Then I just felt this wave come over me and it, it knocked me to my, to my knees and I, I just, I surrendered. There was a flicker of light you know, inside of me after that prayer. He entered a rehab program and got clean and sober. My life is much more different than it was three years ago. I work in a field that I am so passionate about. I'm engaged to a beautiful woman and, and we feed the homeless every month. And you know, my life has become more positive. You know, I feel like I live a more purpose-filled life now. Jeff is helping veterans dealing with addiction and suicide. 22 veterans a day commit suicide. And purpose in my life has become to you know, be that beacon of hope. He also works with his local church and volunteers with other recovery programs. God doesn't use the perfect people to help make changes in the world. He uses people like me that's been broken and has come back and being able to be a part of something greater. That wouldn't be possible unless God would have not picked me up off that floor or I hadn't surrendered. So my life has drastically become a million times better. And I wouldn't you know, want anything else. Isn't that good? Jeff's story proves it. Nobody is too far gone for God. Nobody is. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And if you are looking for hope, can I tell you today that Jesus is the way to hope? If you are seeking truth, Jesus said, I am the truth and I can lead you into all truth and you don't have to find it out there. God is presenting it to you today in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, and you can know Christ and you can know the truth. And if you are broken and beat up by sin in this world and in your own life, Jesus Christ, just like Jeff, can change your life and give you new life and restore you in a relationship with Almighty God by faith in what Christ has done for you. Before we pray, here's what I want you to do. I want, to write, I want you to write your name into this passage in Mark 16. The angel said, Christ isn't here. He is risen. Now go tell Peter. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your name right where Peter's was. Hey, Christ is risen from the dead. Now go tell your name. Go tell Rod. Go tell Jeff. Go tell Julie that this is true and it's real. And what God is saying is, I want you to know this resurrection that has happened is for you. I want you to know and I want you to believe. I came for you. I died on the cross for you and I rose from the dead for you that you might have life today and eternity by faith in Jesus Christ. And we're going to pray in just a second. I'm going to challenge you, if you've never done so, to receive Christ as the forgiver and the leader of your life. And if you're a Christ follower needing hope, I'm going to pray that God would give you and renew you hope that comes from the certainty of an empty tomb. And if you're a believer in Christ and you felt like, Peter, that your time is up and you, God can't use you, I'm going to pray that God will change your mind, that you know he still has purpose for your life. Before I pray, I want to go back to that story I started with, that man that helped me under that hood. And he listened intently 
to everything I had to say about Jesus and his life and his death and his burial and his resurrection. And then I got to the point, I said, and now Dennis, listen, man, this all is good stuff to know, but God has a decision for you to make. He wants you to respond to this truth. He wants you to place your faith in him. And when I started talking about the, the decision that Dennis needed to make, he checked out, man. I could just see the warfare happening and he backed away from a decision, the single greatest decision he could ever make. And I want to just challenge you today that, listen, as the truth of what Jesus has done for you has, has been evading your heart this morning, that you would not stop there. Would you respond to the offer God has? He says, I love you. I died for you. I rose for you. I want to come and be a part of your life. Would you humble yourself and let me in? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you that Easter is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the single most important fact of history, and it leads to the single greatest decision any one of us could make in our lives. And this, this morning, right now, I pray for that decision to be made by those who are even wrestling and struggling to say, can God really forgive me? Can I really make this choice? Lord, would you grant them the faith to say, yes, I believe God wants to forgive me. And I believe he can because Jesus died for me. And I believe that he has because I now place my faith in Jesus. Make that your prayer. I turn from my sin. I turn from the brokenness in my life and I choose to follow Jesus asking for his forgiveness and his leadership in my life right now, today. And every day before, I'm going to try to follow him. And even if I love him imperfectly, he still will love me perfectly. I'm not going to ask anybody to move around, raise a hand. But as you prayed that prayer with me, if you would simply just come look at me and make eye contact with me, say, Pastor Rod, I prayed to receive Jesus into my life today. Just give me a glance. I see you, praise God. Anybody else? Praise God. I see you, brother. Thank you, buddy. Anybody else say, today's the day. I'm putting all my faith in Christ. If I can't make eye contact, we just slip your hand up. God, we thank you for the empty tomb. We thank you for the new life you've given people today. God, I want to pray for the hope that's been dying in the hearts of the believers in this room because their hope has been hitched to something other than the resurrected Christ. Father, would you draw us back? Would you remind us of who we are in you? Would you remind us of the incredible purpose we have to live and to share your love every day? God, remind us that we are now yours forever. Our hope is not in this life. It's not in what this world offers. It's what you bring us every single day. God, renew the hope of your people. And Lord, I want to pray for the Peters in this room who feel like they've blown it too much, even though they believe, they, believe, they just think they can't be used or, or they can't be, uh, feel like they're clean before you. Lord, would you convince them that is false? 
you love them. You say, feed my sheep. I got purpose for your life. God, we exalt you, our great King. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.